Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And we coming from our basement to your headphones, barely even know who we are, but changing the unknown in a wild time. Thank you for downloading the podcast, The Anos. Now, here are your hosts, Jordan Hall and Eric Wayne. Welcome into another episode of the podcast, Dianos. I am Jordan Hall, and for the second straight week, Eric Wayne is off doing who knows what, uh, who knows where, but no fear. You're actually in significantly better hands, and you can tell him I said that, than normal, um, as I'm joined by Max Boltman of The Athletic. Max, thanks so much for hanging out with me tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure, and I uh, there is no way I'll be able to uh, fill Eric's shoes. They are they're very oddly shaped shoes that, that very few <laughs> people uh, really know how to fill. I, I will give you that. So, so how long? Yeah, have you, absolutely. How long have you been with the athletic now? Uh, I've been writing for them since August. I think uh, the first week of August was when I started freelancing, and then I went full time uh, just that, that very beginning of November. So gotcha. we're, we're coming up on on a year, depending on your definition. But either way, we're in the ballpark. Are you expecting some sort of like anniversary cake? Is that how they? I mean, the the funds seem to be unlimited at the athletic. I'd expect a quite a quite a present. No, I think I owe them a cake for oh. uh, for bringing me on, and, and uh, I think I have to bake Craig something. That's the rule. Oh, okay, man. If, if that's the rule, we should start bringing in sub sub podcasters if they have to bring in baked goods. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so, are you are you enjoying the company of the other Detroit writers? Like, you guys have quite a collection there. Oh my gosh! Yeah. No, it's it's an unbelievable staff, and that's like one of the coolest things. Is obviously they give us a pretty pretty. Um, pretty rare amount of freedom and flexibility to, to go and do the kind of stories that we want to do. And they're the kind of stories that I think a lot of journalists would love to do given that, that freedom, that space. So that, you know, the baseline is fantastic, but when you consider kind of the, just even the, the community and the friendships that, that I have now that, you know, just from, from this core of the athletic, you know, be able to have beers with, with Brendan Quinn or Katie Strang or, you know, James and I get together James Edwards get together very often. Our new college football writers, uh, Colton Pouncey and Cody Stavenhagen, are great guys. We went out uh, in Ann Arbor a couple of weeks ago, and obviously Craig and Chris uh, Burke are also 
you know, just really fun guys to sit, sit and hang out with. So, you know, it's, it's this really great community. Our, our editor, Allison Katsavika is really fun. I, I don't have a bad word to say about anybody. Yeah. And, that, uh, and that's we, awesome. We, like, we get along real well. I kind of imagine like everyone that writes within a specific organization, like being borderline friends. And obviously that's not true in just about every scenario, but it is kind of cool to hear that you guys actually do all like each other. Yeah, we get together fairly often, actually, and we, we have our staff meeting. So we don't have an office, right? So we're, the Internet is our office. <laughs> so when we, when we have meetings, we have to, like, rent out space in, like, this, like, Ann Arbor community center or whatever. And then afterwards, every time, we go out for, for beers. Like, there's, like, this place in Ann Arbor. It's, like, beer and Asian fusion food oh. or something. So we'll have, like, IPAs and kimchi <laughs> all together. <laughs> Sounds uh, like hanging a dream. Out. So, yeah, absolutely. And our, our, I should say our intern, Jordan, who your listeners will probably be more familiar with because he does a lot of Tiger stuff, is awesome. And I love hanging out with him, too. We, I don't know how we do it. We, do, we, we seem to get uh, a very uh, compatible group. Um, and everyone can find you on Twitter at M underscore Boltman. And I understand that there's a free T-shirt deal going on right now. Is that still happening? Probably. At any given time, there's a good chance there's a free T-shirt deal which, going on. <laughs> um, which absolutely, I mean, if there's ever a time to get in with the athletic, it would be when you could get yourself a free shirt. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, I like, I want one of those. I don't have one of those like pennants. Did you see those? There was like one of those promotions going around at one point. I didn't even get one. I really want one of those. Man, I feel like the the base compensation should be all of the promotional products. I'm assuming that like I should just Nick be paid got his pennant. own. Yeah, <laughs> or paid in gum. Either way. Yeah. Um, so let's get right <laughs> into it. We open the show every week with kind of a silly question to get the juices flowing. Um, so the, the leadoff question this week is, what is your favorite baseball like baseball term or cliche that you use regularly in like everyday parlance, even in non-sports context? Do you have any of those? Yeah, I mean, there's like a few like I mean, I, I feel like the, the one I find myself telling other people is like, you know, you can't can't bet a thousand or whatever, but <laughs> yeah, which is even kind of like a weak one. But I feel like there's just so many like I feel like, you know, in in, in covering sports, you, you know, there's no way that I can actually relate to these athletes on, in so many areas. And just the amount of ways I find to use their jobs to discuss things in my day-to-day life is, is kind of laughable <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's the great equalizer we're all um we can all speak the same lingo yeah what, what's yours do you have one um i use the term replacement level speaking about anything all the yeah. time uh that's a big one for me um i refer to myself frequently as below replacement level and the other one is the is the 20 to 80 scale i mean i i feel like anyone who likes baseball can't Ooh. really measure anything um, not on a 20 to 80 scouting scale. I actually caught myself like describing somebody as having like plus skills in <laughs> like a non baseball <laughs> run the other day. So that, that, that fits. I feel like if you're talking to a person who doesn't understand what that means, maybe the friendship should just end there. Yeah, exactly. Like you go to like Pancheros, the burrito shop, and you're like, yeah, it's you know tor- plus plus tortillas, <laughs> but it, it's it's a it's a five chicken, you know. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> 
Uh, if, you, if you want to get in touch with the show on Twitter, you can. I am at Jordan Hall 23. Eric is at Comeric Eric. And the show is at Podcast Yanos. And Max, of course, is at M underscore Boltman. Um, on Instagram, I am at Jordino4. And we'd love it if you would take the time to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, whatever other platform you listen to the show on. Um, and I always say, if you are going to leave us a review, uh, take a screenshot of it and tweet it, to at, tweet it to us, and we'll read it. And you guys leave us reviews and then never actually follow through on that. But somebody actually did. We have a review. Um, it's from at Kip Kip underscore hooray. Um, their, their review says, Ode to the Utility Man, and it's a five-star uh, review. Um, they say every – this is speaking of the show. They say everything I'm thinking with less swearing. <laughs> um, I only wish they were around during the Cleet Thomas and Adam Everett days. Um, to be fair, I kind of wish that too because we actually won during some of those days, um, much much less so now. <laughs> well, I should say I'm not, I'm not trying to suck up here. I, I, there was a road trip I took when I, was, when I was moving for an internship in college. And I listened to like two or three of your guys' episodes back to back. We're talking this would be 2015, I want to say. I was in the car for like 20 hours straight. So I'm a long time. Uh, maybe I don't listen to every episode, but I'm a long time uh, listener here. Man, three straight of us. I, I can hardly imagine even hearing my own voice for that much. Um, I'm surprised that gave you the, the will to keep going. <laughs> well, I remember there was one episode and they were going to Anaheim or something. Because you guys did did like kind of your thing about how abysmal they had been. This was when they were just like couldn't win a game in Anaheim to save their life. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, I mean that's I don't know pretty much last that era ten years over. straight. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So there was one. It must have been around the trade deadline or something. Because I was, I, I just remember listening to like three back to back to back. So I can vouch for uh, for the show. It's the best name in podcasting, I would argue. Yeah, that that this the name is all Eric, as if anyone had any. Any questions about that? Any it, doubt? <laughs> yeah, that is so so classically Eric, and uh, definitely appreciate that one. I'm Blaine Hardy, and you're listening to the podcast Yanos. Um, so, Max, as we sit here on July 22nd, uh, the non-waiver trade deadline is just over a week away. Um, so deals have already been made, but it seems like the tiger, Tigers are kind of sw- sitting a little quietly uh, right now. As far as you can tell, is there anything in the works um, at, at the moment? No, I, I don't. I don't have anything for you on that front. But I will say that the way Mike Fires pitched uh, against the Red Sox this weekend, I, it wouldn't surprise me if that really got the, the wheels turning there. Just because when you're talking about starting pitching, which is one of the areas that the Tigers theoretically should have a surplus to deal from um you're dealing with a thing where there's a limited number of starts a guy can make and so you want to deal with as many of those starts left on the table fires isn't quite a true rental um he's got another year of arbitration but when you when you have a team that's in a race and you're gonna say well how many games can he realistically give me i i would i would expect that those talks are going to heat up especially on fires after that last start um, just because teams are going to want to get as many starts out of the guys they're acquiring as possible. Now, with with Fires having the extra year, does that actually play in our favor? Because you think of him as, like you say, as a rental, um, but they would, in theory, be stuck with him going into the following season. Um, does that actually help us or hurt us, do you think? No, I mean, I don't know if you're ever really stuck with a guy, though, right? Like, if you don't want him, you just don't, you just don't take him. Yeah, like, that, that's very true. You know, it, it, it's an arbitration contract. It's not a contract that I think is going to be it's not going to be an albatross or anything like that to somebody who takes it. Um, and, and maybe if a team figures, you know, like they've got a guy who's injured, they've got a prospect who they want to come up. 
and take take that spot. I don't think he's a guy that's that hard to deal in the offseason either, you know. So yeah, it's a very manageable I, I think contract. It, exactly, 100%. Um, and I feel like he has spent his, his career, he made his living off being a wildly streaky pitcher. Like, <laughs> I, we know that. Um do do opposing general managers kind of not be aware of that, or are they just willing to roll the dice? And you know, it's not going to take a ton to get him. Um, is that kind of the, the case? They're just willing to to take a low low re, uh, risk gamble here. I would assume so. I mean, I mean, ultimately, I assume that they're they've got all kinds of factors that weigh into a decision. You'd think in 2018, teams are going to have input from their analytics department. They're going to have input from their scouts. You know. There's lots of things are going to come into play there, and ultimately, it's like you said. If the risk is low, you'll take the chance. I mean, if if you watch him um, pitch and you're liking the way that he's approaching something, you think it feels really good right now. Particularly if you're a team that's going to be in a tight playoff hunt and not just loading up for the postseason. So that's a distinction that you're going to see in the NL versus the AL races, right? Like mm-hmm. the AL team playoff teams already know who they are, right? They're, they're loading up to face each other in the playoffs in a situation where you might only have four starting pitchers or in some cases, three, if you really <laughs> want to get like wild, like Cleveland could do that, you know? Yeah. Um, in the NL, you got teams that are going to go tooth and nail down to the wire. They need every game they can get. Like, the Indians don't really have to win more games in the regular season, but if they don't want to, right? Yeah, Not that they'd sure. be a team training for starting pitching anyway. But in the NL, I think it's the kind of thing where, um, you know, when when you have a streaky pitcher, if he's on the hot streak right now, we'll, you know, ride him, um, ride him and see if you can get three more out of him. And maybe the, maybe those three games in August or in late July um, are, are the deciding factor. And you'd assume he'd have more value going to the NL because he has fairly extensive history there. I mean, he, he clearly will, will know the league a little bit more, um, although he has been gone for a while, you know, to the to the Astros and now to us. But um, so obviously Fulmer going on the DL today, um, that's from a, a fan's perspective, that's a good thing because that pretty much shuts down um, any whispers of, of him moving. Uh, was there any actual uh, traction on that front before the, the kibosh was put on that? I don't have like a scoop for you there, but my expectation would be that, you know, that he was not pitching in a way that was going to, was going to bring a return that might've been what it would have been this off season um, or last off season, I should say, you know, just be, because of the way that he was, he was going. I mean, something that the Tigers were going to bite on with him. Um, I don't think, I don't think that kind of offer was out there, but again, that's relatively uninformed speculation here. So, yeah, I was I was looking at it at the numbers this year. Um the the highest FIP and ERA of his career. He's actually 40 41st in pitching war, uh only one spot above Matt Boyd, which I thought was um enlightening about how maybe not quite as bad Matt Boyd has been. Um but 41st like that's that's not it's not great, especially for your supposed ace. Um I'm just glad that there won't be any sort of temptation to pay uh, below market value. And I feel like we're to the point where we can trust Alavila to not do that, but it's nice to just go ahead and shut that down for the, for, for the foreseeable future. The only thing I'll say on that, and I, I think generally that's a good way to think about it. I did wonder, like, if, if any team, sometimes you'll, you'll, well, I don't know if you actually see it or if it's just all in my head, but like, <laughs> let's say like a team was to like go down the road with, on like a Jacob Degrom trade, like one of the one of these guys who a team 
does not necessarily want to trade. And so some some club's eyes get big and they get down the road and they go, okay, we're going to give these prospects up to get Jacob DeGrom. And then those talks fall through because the much are like, no, 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 well, never mind, we don't want to do it. If a team, if you could see like a GM, right, who's like who thinks he's getting Jacob DeGrom, and if, if you got healthy Michael Falmer, he's put together a couple starts that make you think he's more like the player he's been than the one he's been this year. Does that make you go, okay, well, I thought I was getting DeGrom, and now i got to pivot real quick, and the only other guy I could think of who I know to be like kind of generally available is, you know, Fulmer and Archer, kind of the names who get out there every mm-hmm. year. That was kind of the possibility that I was um, wondering on. Like, if there's going to be a Fulmer deal, that's the only circumstance I could see that they got full value, is if a team, if another team thinks they're getting a high-end guy, doesn't get him and needs to panic pivot. Yeah, that makes perfect so, sense. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like as a, not that in in, in any way is a, in the same you know ballpark, but as a as a fantasy baseball owner, like you can get so far down the road, and you're like, all right, I'm getting myself an ace. Once you if that falls through, you almost are like there's a disappointment. Like you have to almost get a rebound ace from somebody else, and then you typically end up paying more than more than you want for somebody that you shouldn't have. This literally happened to me yesterday. <laughs> I was trying to trade for Steven Strasburg or Trevor Bauer, and uh, in, in, in my league that I, that I have, and uh, we couldn't we couldn't reach an agreement. So I ended up uh, I ended up having to give up Juan Soto as, as part of a package, who was a guy I really didn't want to move. But I ended up with Severino, so I I ended up fine with it. But I definitely did exactly what you're just saying. <laughs> um, so obviously the the big deals so far have been the Manny Machado and the Francisco Mejia deals. Um, do you think that that's in any way going to affect what we can get for somebody like Iggy? You know, now knowing that one shortstop is off the market, or possibly um, make a guy like Shane Green uh, more more valuable because he they've set the market uh, relatively high. Yeah, I mean, it, those things can go either way. It's like on one hand, you know, any team can say, "Well, you're not going to get this for Iglesias because you know, look what Manny Machado got. Like you're several steps below that. Like like." Obviously, Iglesias is never going to bring in like any team that the Tigers asked for, like a Francisco Mejia level prospect, was going to laugh him off the phone, right? Of course. But I mean, so so there's scales there. But to your point, yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a, an element of like there's a finite number of available shortstops, and as the teams who need them start to fill those needs, and maybe you're like the last the last uh, shortstop needy team there and you're like well if we don't get a, or maybe there's two left and you're like you know let's say you're like the the brewers and the phillies are, are down to it and they're like well one of us is getting this guy and i want to make sure that it's us like well okay let's go all in i mean i i do think there's probably a chance of something like that happening but it's all on a on a very uh on a uh a curve you know like you're never going to get one of those elite prospects uh, for a rental shortstop, like who, who's bad is as light as Jose Iglesias is, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I, f- I feel like if we can get kind of the uh, Kinsler level return, that would be probably more than I would expect to at, at this point. Or international pool money, right? I mean, I think yes. that's like a thing that I know people were killing the Mets for that trade, and I, I don't think they were wrong to kill them in that. But I don't think that it was also um, – I think that the fact that they got a significant amount of international money is at least something. Like, it probably wasn't enough to get the kind of prospect – you want to get for Jerry's familia, but uh, I, I think like that strategy of like wanting to pull up some international money is, is not a bad way to go about this, especially if you do have guys who maybe 
the prospect that you're going to get for him doesn't feel like an impact guy, well, maybe take a million dollars in international money. Yeah, and it seems like we're uh, we're more developing our strategy in the international market over the last two or so seasons, um, whereas obviously Dave would have never even considered something like that. Um, Al has – I speak of them first-name basis like we're buddies. Um, Avila, like – I mean clearly that's something that he's prioritized. He gave away two you know, million-plus-dollar contracts this winter or this uh, summer. Uh, yeah, that – that seems to make a lot of sense. Could be could be good for both parties. Let's uh, let's go ahead and at the Tigers and, and see if we can get that done. Oh, I'm sure they're I'm sure they're well aware, especially like you said, you know, based on based on the way that they've acted the last two international periods, it seems like that is an area that they are inclined to invest in, and which is smart. I mean, you look around at some of the stars in this league and the up and coming stars in this league. Not all of them are draft guys anymore. You know, like I mean, mm-hmm. you got some of the top prospects that are signing for sometimes signing for not even that much money out of of some of these countries. And um, I think it's, it's, it's definitely from a Tigers perspective, important that they, that they get in, get, get their uh, hat in the ring there. Uh, the last the last guy I wanted to bring up um, Nick Castellanos, obviously we uh, as the podcast Yanos don't want him going anywhere. That would be very bad. for you the got a big stake brand. in that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Is there? Um, I feel like we're as fans, we're kind of in this weird limbo. Like half of us want him to fast, half of us want them to sell him, just just get what we can for him, and the other half like think we have to absolutely resign resign him. Um, where do you come down on that? And uh, he's kind of a unique situation on on the market this year because he does have a couple couple years of you know controllability left, and he's obviously one of the the better right handed bats in the league. Um, is it would there be a, a substantial market for him and would you uh, consider resigning him long term I think it, it a lot, I would consider resigning him long term to answer the second question first um, a lot of it obviously you, you're, you're talking about what the numbers are and, and what the term is you certainly I don't think you want to get tied down too long into a guy whose defense is already in question like I don't know if you want to go too deep into the 30s um, on a big money contract but when you talk about there being like what the market is, I think a lot of it will depend on what a team, um, how how much a team values defense, how much a team or how a team assesses where its defense is at right now, and how much a team trusts itself that you know if 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 they're to go bring in a a big bat, I, I think that is a bat that is appealing to thirty out of thirty teams, right? Like mm-hmm. you're you're getting an over three hundred hitter with some pop, um, and and just generally considered a a, a good presence at the plate. Um, and has been, I think, generally a good presence in the Tigers' locker room. Um, but if a team is like, you know, yeah, we really pride ourselves on defense, or we've got a lot of pitchers who who we think we who give up some fly balls, and we want to make sure that you know we're, we're secure out there. Maybe maybe they're inclined to look elsewhere. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I think I think it's always going to be a factor in any conversation about him, like trade-wise or just like you know on a podcast like how do you weigh that and i don't know that there is a great answer because people value dif- defense differently i mean the numbers say that there's like a pretty numerically standard way to value defense right <laughs> but people do value it differently so i don't know that there is is kind of one easy answer there i guess truly um we're not the only podcast that has a stake in this him him and uh, shane's podcast who knows what could what could happen to that that could that could be a real problem right maybe 
Well, maybe they get traded together or something. Oh, it's a package deal. Yeah, I mean, they could they could go over Skype. It just I, I feel like it wouldn't have the same same magic. No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. Those those guys are funny. I mean, they, I think they would. Uh, I think they would give it a run, but yeah, it'd be tough. <laughs> uh, now, you recently returned from a road trip that uh, many Tigers fans dream of. Eric and I have actually discussed, you know, making a trip like this, but. Um, we haven't because we're lazy, but it seems like so much fun. Um, you hit hit the three uh, nearby uh, Detroit Tiger organizations, um, affiliates. What are some of your takeaways? What was the most enjoyable ballpark atmosphere for you? Uh, I'm a Grand Rapids son, so West Michigan, it, it would be tough for me to slander or even go away from Grand Rapids there. Um I, I just think it's a really fun atmosphere. I mean, I don't know if, if I'm if I'm just inherently biased toward it because <laughs> that's where I grew up. But I, I think they do stuff there that's just very fun. It's it's very you feel very close to the players. They're sitting in the stands for during some parts of BP. There's just something that's simultaneously very minor league, but also like it's it's a legit nice stadium. You know, mm-hmm. um, Toledo is a pretty cool experience because you you do get the feeling like okay, this is one notch down. Like I was when I was there, Gary Sanchez was rehabbing. Um, for <laughs> Scranton Wilkes-Barre, I think is the name of the triple yeah, A team. Yeah, right, the, the, the Rail Riders. Yeah. Yes, that's right. I was just trying to figure out what the city order was. Sometimes they're Wilkes-Barre, <laughs> Scranton. Sometimes it's whatever. you know what I mean. Um, I'd go West Michigan, and then Toledo, a close runner-up. With all apologies to Erie, um, it, that was not maybe the uh, the must-see stop on the tour. Although that is where the must-see talent is, so it's a trade-off. <laughs> um. Yeah, that, that's very true. Uh, I, we I do want to get into some of the bigger, um, you know, more talented prospects. But, but everyone is into Death Rage. Um, he's clearly the, <laughs> the the fan favorite at West Michigan. You you sat obviously sat down with him a little bit. Um, what can you what can you tell us about him uh, from a personality perspective? Is he is he a guy that we should love as much as we already do? He's definitely a guy who, who's who's who enjoys having a laugh. I mean, he, he's you can you can sense the dairy farmer in him a little bit, um, a little slow to uh, to work into some of that stuff. Like we talked about, like him getting kicked in the stomach while trying to milk the cow <laughs> during that article, which I thought was very fun. Um, but yeah, he, I mean, he's a good guy. He, he definitely is not like he didn't come up. He he doesn't seem like a guy whose name would be Death Rage. But at the same time, like you can see how he's got a little bit of, of intensity there too. He's a, he's a muscly guy. Um, I mean, there's personality there for sure. Which, um, which tiger in, in recent memory would you most think would be appropriate to attribute the name death rage to? I'm trying, I'm trying to think here. Oh man. Maybe Kinsler. Kinsler would make a pretty good well, death rage. Yeah. So you have to have a balance, right? Like they got to be intense. They got to have like the red ass to them. Right. And they mm-hmm. also got to be probably a little imposing i would think that's I mean, true brock yeah. isn't especially imposing like he's, <laughs> he's a shorter guy um i wouldn't fight him but i wouldn't fight <laughs> him athlete, so um, probably wise. i think there's got to be some stature thing there right like, yeah for sure yeah kinzer doesn't bring that hmm. well i'm trying to think who does for any of you listeners that are just screaming at your phone it's so and so max scherzer it's there max you go scherzer. yep good call yeah the, there's that's that's spot on. Um, so obviously you took part. Do we in, swear on this podcast? Um, we we keep it PG thirteen. So uh, by all means. 
I won't I won't swear, but the gif of him like mouthing like whatever he's saying into his glove, like or at somebody at the plate, you know what I'm talking about? Yep, I I very much do. <laughs> I was just that came up last night and that was the image I had of like him as Death Rage. <laughs> Yeah, a little, little bit of intensity there. Um, now, obviously, you <laughs> took on the cotton candy hot dog. Um, we actually discussed that at length last week with Hookslide and Emily. Um, it's really funny that it's coming up again this week. Give us the breakdown there. Yeah, so what I wrote in the story, I believe, was that it, I don't regret any of the bites I took. I, I have no desire, and I will live perfectly happy never taking another. Um it's worth the experience. It's not as bad as you think it is. Like, I'll just say that. The uh, the guy who made it, Tom Ando, I think was very smart to put the nerds on it. Like, they're just they're just crucial because really? okay. once you take the bite, it's like it's like a texture thing, right? It's like the cotton candy and the hot dog, like, are just very, very weird. And, like, granted, there's a, a texture difference between the nerds and the hot dog. But, like, when you bite into the nerd, whatever, like, the flavors that unleash – like, they just make you forget about the hot dog part, which is the weirdest element, right? Yeah. So you got to have them. Like, you couldn't do the cotton candy hot dog with no nerds. Like, you wouldn't like it at all, I promise. But with the nerds, you're like, okay, I see how this all fits together. And that's, that's what I'll say about it. <laughs> I feel like you just gave us the, the guy's grocery games uh, judgment on it. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. Great, great, great mouthfeel and and whatnot. Um, any any other <laughs> exciting foods that you had along your your journey? I know West Michigan's known for um, food, shall we say? Yeah, what did I have? I had a very bland meal, um, in, on purpose while I was in Toledo because I was like. After the cotton candy hot dog, I was like, all right. I didn't eat this whole thing, but I also need to reevaluate my life a little bit. So I just had like turkey and green, turkey and green beans in the press box. Uh, West Michigan, I mean, West Michigan, I had like a broad in the stands. I love like West Michigan has like these awesome concession or um, what do you call them? Condiment bars. Like they have oh, so many right. things. They're like the most complete condiment bar. So I just loaded up a bra with stuff and that was really good. I had a, I think I had like, you, have you ever been to the West Michigan ballpark? Have you ever had like the chips that they have there? I, I've I've been there many times. I have not. Um, I'm I'm the type that will eat before and after to not pay ballpark prices. Um, fair. So Absolutely fair. I, I can't say that I've ever actually concession stand anything there. Okay, I don't know if they have these at the concession stand because I was eating them in the press box. But they have these like chips that are like kind of like nicer chips, if you know what I mean. Like right. I don't know if they're like called like pub chips or whatever. Classy but chips. They're just yeah. really really good. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I love those whenever I go to West Michigan. They're a must for me. I, uh, I've never had the, the fifth third burger, but I was in high school when it came out and I always wanted to do it. And now I might be, I might be past my, uh, metabolic prime to the point where I actually could get away with it. Yeah, the window closes. It, it closes for all of us. Um, it yeah. does abruptly. <laughs> yeah. We, um, when Eric and I, we did, did a bit of a podcast meet up there uh, at one point this summer and we actually saw a dude, um, that was carrying that down. I'm assuming to his, hopefully his family and that he wasn't just taking it all on, but yeah, that's, it's, it's a staggering feat of culinary achievement. That's for, that's for sure. And human achievement for, for putting it down, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's move on to the actual um, prospects that I'm um, presumably you were you were there to see. 
the system is kind of coming along nicely, you know? Like, you know, about a, about a year ago, we kind of entered into this rebuild, and all of a sudden, you know, we're not at the bottom anymore. We're somewhere in the middle, like Daz Cameron. Like, some of these guys are coming along really well. What, what, it, was there a, a tangible sense of optimism through the through the affiliates that, that you could take away? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's so hard to tell, right? Because these guys are – they're in a grind. Like, yeah, absolutely. There might be, like, a general optimism, but on a day-to-day, it's still – it's a lot of hours. It's a lot of effort. It's, it's so hot. I mean, it's, so it's hard to kind of feel it like swelling necessarily, but at the same time, yes, I think that they're, they're all very aware of the opportunities that are ahead of them and, and how kind of few obstacles remain for them. Like I think Daz in particular is a guy that, that seems like he can keep things in check mentally. Um, he, we talked about kind of the Florida state league and, he was really excited to get away from those big fields there, Makes right? Like, because he, he's, I think the quote that he had was like, there's some balls you hit there, and you're like, man, I could have swore that was going out. Like, I know I got a little more pop than that. And uh, and I think so, like, you know, you saw he had a little bit of a home run burst, right, when he got to Erie, right? Like, and that's got to <laughs> feel good for a guy like that. You know, he, he's, he's very um, – He's very like kind of composed, and and he when he when he has those thoughts, they, they kind of come through in a way that you're like, yeah, okay, this this kid, uh, this kid's one who's not going to have any problems getting his, his mind right to to get the work, put the work in. I mean, he knows he knows he's there to improve at certain things. He's got to adjust. He's he's thinking about mindset. It's not just it's the moment's not too big for him, which is probably the best thing I can say about a prospect, right? Because that's that's a that's an X factor when when they're developing. Um, I was also really impressed. Like you talk about like, the rebuild kind of starting pretty recently. There's a couple of these guys who have been in the system, like Bo Burrows. Like he was a pick in 2015. I want to say he was their first round pick. So he was there before the rebuild really started in earnest. Like the draft at like early June, and that was kind of the year that there was the the tear down with David Price and stuff. Yeah. You want to suspicious? So he's the draft first round pick that year, and. Uh, and he was tearing it up. I mean, he the start that I was at. I know. I think he got he got hit kind of hard today, but uh, the start I was at, he looked great, and his his curveball looked good. He was able to go to the secondary stuff late in counts, his put away pitches, um, and the fastball was was quite good. So I, when I when I left there, I was like, okay, Bo Burrows is, is something. Now I know that's one start, and you're not going to judge a prospect off one start. But to me, that's those are the kind of things that. You've got these big name pitching prospects. You've got Mize, Perez, and Manning, and and all those guys to some degree um, are the guys you want kind of at the top of rotation. You can't count on all three being that because that's that's an odds game. Right. But if you can get one or two of them to hit, and then you can sprinkle guys like Burrows through who can maybe be a a four, like a good four or something like that, um, at the major league level, that's where you really start to see like okay, there's the making of a full full pitching staff now yeah and you're adding guys like like funkhauser and hopefully eventually still daniel norris like there there's just so yeah. much to be excited about when realistically speaking about this time last year i mean it was you know we had we you know had manny had fayetto and and had Bo, but i don't know there's just so much more optimism for me um and i think it's really interesting with Bo. like he's kind of flown under the radar amongst the other you know three or four um but i think there's something to kind of not having that that mantle of being oh top 100 guy like there's so much expected of you um especially more more now than than even in past years like everyone knows who the top 100 prospects are whereas i feel like you could go to a ballpark you know uh, a while back and 
they were kind of just anonymous guys, just like any of the other ones. Um, I think I think it's good for his development to kind of stay under the radar as long as he has. Well, and at some point he's gonna he's gonna put those secondary pitches together in enough consecutive starts that they're gonna throw him up to Toledo, and then then I think the buzz around him will will take it another step because then he'll be right on the doorstep, right? Like, yep. and you know, Funkhauser just got promoted to Toledo, and he was there less time than Burroughs. Like, I assume that. I, I mean, I don't know. Is Funkhauser going to get up at the end of this year? I could see that. Yeah. Um, is, is Burroughs? I mean, I don't know. Can, can he get to Toledo quick enough and get a couple starts there? I, I think it's the kind of thing where once they're in Toledo, you can really look down and just see, okay, they're one level below major league uh, hitting, and they're doing this. Like, sure, it's time to give them a shot. I think while it's like double A is kind of the proving ground to get to do that, but once you're out of there, it's like, all right, next step, majors, you know, clock is ticking i think the question will just be will we have any 40 man spots to spare to get those guys up we have you know just such a packed jam-packed 40 man with with no dead wood at the bottom so i was thinking about that in the context of the deadline like you could have you know if you trade five guys you got five 40 man spots right there you go fingers crossed like i yeah well yeah that's right you gotta trade those guys you gotta find takers for everybody first but I, I think that that's a solvable problem with um with the trade deadline and i don't i don't know if they have too many guys that they really want to like dfa or anything but um and for the top prospects like it's there's a clear hierarchy there of priorities right like if they want fun are up in september they'll they'll make it happen yeah sadly I, I feel like my my boy drew is uh most likely going to to be one of those casualties here probably not not too awfully long or he'll be a starter, you know. There, there we go. A starter for all of August. To be fair, I'd rather see Blaine get a continued run as as a starter than than Drew. I feel like he's he's given me more to go on. Um, but yeah, anyway. Um, so I, well, I kinda... it depends on how how long Falmer's out, right? Like, okay, so like you got if you trade Lirion who's starting for you, and Fires who's starting for you, and Falmer's on the DL. There's a lot of starts to go around, isn't there? Right. You got Artie Lewicki, Ryan Carpenter, Blaine, but. You know, there's there's room. <laughs> Most definitely is. Um, so I kind of wanted to take a step back from uh, specifics and just look at your you uh, your relationship within in journalism. I'm assuming you grew up a Tigers fan, a Michigan fan. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, those are the I mean, those are the teams I was watching. Yeah, I mean, you you know, you're you're a sports fan, and those are the teams that are on your uh, on your local TV station. So I was watching a whole lot of Tigers and a whole lot of Michigan. My my parents met at Michigan, so that was that was not a not an option. Uh-huh. Um, Chris, we, spoke, we spoke with Chris Ayat, I think, last year at some point. He was talking about how you don't really root for the team. You more root for outcomes like that get you home fastest or give you the most to write about. Mm. Um, ha- has it been a, a little bit more personal for you, having grown up as uh, you know a fan of the teams that you've covered? Or is that kind of your, your outlook still? Yeah, no, it, it, hasn't been, it hasn't been hard at all. I mean, the they train it out of you pretty quickly, right? Like it's, it's a, it's a criteria of the job is that you don't, you don't root for, for teams. I mean, you don't root for the team you cover. You don't root for really a team that the team you cover is playing, right? Like I mm-hmm. couldn't cover the, the Rockies and be a Tigers fan either, you know? Yeah. So it, it's, it's the kind of thing that, you know, I think my first experience in journalism was at, at Michigan. So I was a, you know, very, what do you call it? Green reporter, at the student paper, and you, the first thing you do is you you do a shadow with an older reporter. So I went to a soccer game, um, and I wore a yellow shirt with a block M, 
And they were like, no, you can't do that. Uh, fortunately, I had a flannel with me, so I just buttoned the flannel all the way up, and you couldn't tell any different. But, like, yeah, so the first time you're like, oh, yeah, like I'm, I'm going to be a reporter and whatever. But, you know, I think that was the last time I ever had any – any question about it. it was like the very first time I was going to job shadow and, and from there on you're like okay you're here to do a job you're here to be analytical you're here to see what's happening you you're here to interact with these guys and like frankly like they interact with fans plenty they don't need fans like in their locker room or whatever right like mm-hmm. you're not a fan here here you're your employee so just the fact that you come up with it in every every step of the way they're training you it's being like you know like okay so if you're a freshman reporter there and like if you if you slip up and like you call some like Michigan we when you're covering, you know wrestling or something like every all the older writers are gonna make fun of you because it's like <laughs> oh you you know you you're you're a homer you're whatever right like all the things that people would say on Twitter, so it gets trained out of you really quick like you don't root for the team you cover you don't root for the teams that you're covering or playing against like you just don't do it like you're 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 here as like a, a separate entity. And from that point, it's just it's just smooth. You can do it anywhere you go. I mean, it's it's the the hardest part of it is when you have like you have these like social interactions, right? And you've mm-hmm. built up kind of these norms, right? So like I grew up with in like a Michigan family, so my parents would see me and I'd be at you know the Orange Bowl, maybe like hope we win, go blue, and like I'm like I don't know what to text you back. Like I can't <laughs> just I can't just respond like that. I'm like yeah. I mean, I hope you win too. I don't know. I, I don't. Like, I can't say that. Like, I hope you have fun watching the game. That's kind of what it comes down to, right? So it, that's the part that's weird. It's like how to interact with people who have an expectation of you kind of being, uh, having the relationship with the team that they have. Right, and yeah. you don't. And you don't want to be like a dick because everyone thinks you're like, oh, I'm like a, I'm a big, serious, whatever. And that's not how you want to come off. But you also, you know, you got to, be straight up about what your what your job is and what your relationship is with the team. That that's where it comes into play for me is is how other people expect me to be about it versus how how it actually is. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting because you like when when we look at at people like you get, that you know are at every game, you almost think like, oh, that's the fan's dream. But it really is just a different world that you have to step into. Um, and and sometimes I wonder, and and maybe you can speak to this if that takes a little bit of the joy of sport out of it, like of you know just watching the sheer spectacle of it when you have to be so analytical to it. Like, has your enjoyment of sports decreased as you've had to be more professional towards it? It it just it just um, it depolarizes like both ways, right? So like yeah, like I don't enjoy because I'm not like rooting for a team. Like if a team I'm covering when Michigan was going undefeated, my senior year, uh, they were undefeated like nine games into the year, and that was not like a that was not like a riding high kind of thing like it would have been when I was maybe in middle school or something, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when I was covering Michigan and like it was like the dark days, right? Like Brady Hoke's there and there's the, the Shane Morris incident and all that stuff. Like that's not painful for me. So it's like, it cuts both ways. It, it certainly, it changes the dynamic, but like where people are like, I can't even watch this anymore. I'm like, well, why can't you watch it? It's still really fun, you know, football, really fun baseball. Um, but I do remember what that, what that feels like. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, there's a trade off. Like I'm never going to be able to feel the way that I felt at, at age 11 again about watching a football game you know yeah that's that's really interesting i'm uh i'm glad that you're able to to bring that perspective 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Um, are you ready to move on to some Twitter questions? We've run a little longer than I was imagining, but um, maybe we'll see if we can sneak in a few here, if that's all right with you. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, the first one comes in. Let me load this up from my buddy Matt Kozlerich. He asks, um, in an alternate universe where the Tigers did not trade JV to the Astros last year, what would the market look like for him this trade deadline, assuming the stats were the same? Um, do you think the Tigers would have received a better package for JV now than last fall? Interesting. Um, it, okay, so I do think it's a little bit of a leap to make the assumption that the stats would be the same because – as we've seen with guys who go to the Astros, like they do get better, right? Like this happened with, with Garrett Cole and Charlie Morton was, he was with Pittsburgh before this. Like yep. he, he took a step up, right? Like, Oh yeah. A pretty, I mean, pretty it, big it, one. It, right. So it's, it's not a given that he is doing this, right? Like he's having a Cy Young level year and he had, he was showing signs of that in Detroit. I get it. But um, I don't know that you can, that you can kind of confidently make that assumption the I guess if you want to say like the risk level that that existed last year with the number of years on his deal probably has been wiped out by his performance now right because he's going to become a free agent in 2020 like you have no risk trading for Justin Verlander now I think any team would do it like because 20 million is about what what you should pay for a guy like that or or is his base 28 still or I forget I, I, 28 sounds closer to right. Yeah, I can't say I know yeah, off the top okay. of my head. Well, he's giving you a $30 million a year. Right Absolutely. Now. I don't think anyone would question that, you know. And and I think he's got every reason to believe he can give you another one next year. So from that standpoint, maybe they don't have to eat the money or maybe they still eat the money and they get a better package. I, I think it's reasonable to think that could have happened. But I also think that they got a pretty good package oh, for him. And I think that – right. And at the time, you know – you, you you go back with hindsight and it's like, should they have held him a year? I don't know. What good would he have done? Would he really be doing this with them? Like there's a lot of variables there. And this is strictly from a fan's perspective. I'd rather have given him the chance to win a world series like he did than hold him back for another year. I mean, obviously we're not going anywhere. You might as well get the package and let him go, go live his dreams and and marry Kate Upton and all that, uh, that stuff. And and don't you think like maybe that's part of the reason behind why he's like rediscovered this level. Like, don't you have to have that tension and those moments to break out that 99 mile an hour fastball he threw Kinsler yesterday? Yeah, absolutely. Like you do that in a, in a tensionless game when you're like, locked into third place in the AL Central. I, I definitely wouldn't think so. That's that's a really good point. 
Uh, next one, Brandon Kerr asks us, if Zimmerman would waive his trade clause to go to a contending team, what would you like to get? Uh, who could be interested in what do they have in return? That's a, that's a three-parter. Um, <laughs> if you're the Tigers, you want middle infield prospects. You want the best prospect you can get with a preference toward middle infield prospects, right? Like you look down the road and you got Isaac Paredes who – is technically a shortstop, but has my height and weight, and I know I couldn't play major league shortstop. <laughs> Granted, there's a certain difference in athleticism there, but I'm just speaking about frame. Like, you know, you know how that works, right? Yeah, like you're more able to play second base when you're a little on the thicker side. Um, so, yeah, I would think that they want as much middle infield, um, you know, return as they could get. Um, but you want the best prospects. So if a team's like, look, we're middle infield star, we can't afford to give you our our high level second baseman or high level shortstop. But what if we give you a little bit better outfielder, a little bit better right handed pitcher in return? The right handed pitching in the in the Tiger system is good, but like I don't think you turn down another one, right? I mean, so you're looking for the best prospects. Yeah. Um, as far as who would be interested in Jordan Zimmerman, I would think the answer is just all the teams that we know to be interested in starting pitching, which yeah. is most of them. Pretty much all of them. Um, and then, you know, what do they have? I mean, you, you go system by system. Um, that's a tough, kind of a tough question. I mean, the team that I think about with him is, is the Brewers just because he's a Wisconsin guy. Okay. And I wonder if, if there's anything there, but you know, there's all those variables, right? Like, are they going to pay, are they going to pay another pitcher to not pitch for them? Like, are they going to eat more salary for him and then have like another guy who, if he's good and you're, paying him to pitch for someone else that's too bad someone's got to pitch these games or if he's you know if he's bad and he's not on your roster well okay but you're still paying for it right like you're still paying him to not pitch games for you and you have you know already looky in there instead or something so who, who you know sometimes he may be better but zimmerman's been you know, one of their two best starting pitchers this year. Yeah, I think it all depends on how much how much contract the other team would be willing to eat. If they're taking most of it, I mean, I would give him away for borderline free. Um, I mean, obviously he's been better recently, but there was a while there where it was looking like a sunk cost. Um, but if we're if we are paying the majority of of the contract still, then it, it really does become where you want to get something out of him. I mean, at least as far as exactly, yeah. Exactly, and you don't you just don't want to have that much payroll dedicated to for other teams. Like, aren't they, how much are they paying? Are they paying a Verlander still this year? I forget if that was a one year thing or not. I'm not sure, um, but I I believe yeah. they're still paying on Prince, aren't they? Or is that yeah. is that is that finally oh over? Yeah. I don't remember. Oh, uh, I don't know for sure, but that's hilarious. Um, at Breslin Birds asks, uh, when is Phil Coke joining the uh, the Athletic Detroit? I mean, you would be the one Say to speak to. When, when is Phil Coke joining uh, the Athletic? Detroit. Oh, he's actually already uh, a shadow editor for us. So every every Tiger story you read is uh, the Phil Coke stamp of approval. I hope I can say that without getting sued. I'd love to think that he's like literally <laughs> pointing at like grammatical errors and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, Phil Coke is the reason that I use so many M dashes. He's he's telling me, <laughs> you know, that's take out that semicolon that's an M dash. That's Phil Coke every time. <laughs> um, at Comeric Eric. I don't. I've never heard of him. He says, "What's going on with the Tigers?" Oh, Eric. Oh, that's a great question. Uh, they lost nine to one to the Red Sox. Yeah, Chris Dale was good. 
<laughs> Chris Hill was very good. Yeah, that's that's something that we shouldn't just gloss over. He was um he he is great, but that was that was cool to watch even though it was against our boys or my boys, sorry. I uh I was just marveling like and I I've been kind of learning a little bit about this like kind of perceived velocity thing with guys as they come off the mound and those lanky guys and and how it looks depending on where the release point is and stuff. And I got to imagine Chris Sale is a guy who that pitch looks like it's coming so fast with how lanky he is and the angle he throws it at and how far he gets ahead with that arm. That's That's got to be so intimidating to stare down. I mean, he's got to be the closest thing to Randy Johnson in that respect, at least in recent memory. He's just so long. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Adam Langworthy asks, is Victor Alcantara hashtag good? <laughs> we'll see. I mean, he's had a couple solid outings, right? I mean, he's... You know, I, I think everything's in the context of leverage, right? Like, it's one thing to pitch uh, in a game where you're trailing. It's another thing to pitch in a game where you're protecting a lead and it's the seventh inning and it's, you know, 4-2 or whatever. So, and there's sample size stuff. So, you know, you'll see. But uh, I don't think he's bad <laughs> yet. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll eventually figure figure that out, most likely. But for right now let's let's live it up um did you listen to the episode where i told the the victor alcantara story from spring training no so i didn't hear it okay so um we we go down for um i can work from home in the winter so i have access to uh florida for spring training so we were down in bradenton watching um watching them play the pirates and i love to post up behind the bullpen that's I'm, i'm i was a pitcher so pitching is obviously what fascinates me the most um, yeah. but he was in the bullpen. I want to say it was Kevin, Kevin Comer, um, who was a non-roster invite. He was next to him and Victor Alcantara spent the first two innings of the game. He had like a big, you know, bullpen, like stone, you know, or, you know, it'd be like kind of from gravel. And he was like shivving the other rock that he had in his hand down to a point. He'll like, so he would, you know, the other bullpen pitchers would like clap when they would get an outer out of an inning and he'd like look up and be like. Oh, that's what happened. And then go right back to it. And then finally, like the third inning, he showed Kevin Comer like what he had been working on. And Kevin Comer gave him this look like, wait, wait what, what is just happening? Like, why, why do you think that I'm interested in this? He probably spent the better yeah, part of the first. Answer. Yeah. I, 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 Victor Alcantara is the real deal, absolutely. And I, I would never want to offend him. <laughs> that's, that's probably wise. He, uh, <laughs> he has multiple weapons on him that he, that he's, you know, fastened himself. It was just one of those deals. Like, I mean, I get it. Like, you know, it can be very boring if you're watching spring training games all day, every day. But, um, I, I actually asked the, the groundskeeper if I could get the shiv from him, like, cause he, he just threw it into the, to the ground when he like went to warm up, but, um, the groundskeeper did not give it to me. So I don't have that, that did keepsake. You, did you call it the shiv? Cause that's probably why he wouldn't <laughs> give it to you. <laughs> that probably is why. <laughs> Will you hand me that shiv? Like I swear it's not mine. I just wanted it as a keepsake. Yeah. Just, just in general, the answer to that question should always be no. <laughs> regardless right. of context uh and the last one comes from anthony troy he asked at this point extending iglesias is a must if we can't don't uh what are some realistic answers in the foreseeable future if they don't have or if they stay in house oh wow <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough one so um well i guess boy so Dixon Machado is playing short in toledo right now i know how uh, how that's going to be received, but I still think that 
you know, if if you believe in him and if you're not if you're not in a hurry to win, um, that might still be the better alternative. Sergio Alcantara is a guy that I saw while I was in Erie. His arm is is really it's as advertised uh, at short, and I think he can certainly play that position. Um, he's still a pretty small guy. I wouldn't call that a major league body. I'm not a scout, so sometimes I misuse terms or whatever. But I think that's like a thing. Is like you know he's, he's maybe not as filled out as you would want a guy to be at that level. And at the plate, you know, sure he's hitting for some average and stuff. But there's just there's just a difference in Double A pitching and major league pitching. And if you're going to be mad about Dixon Machado's bat, I don't know that you're going to be too much happier with Sergio Alcantara with like as of right now. You know, yeah, like he's, yep. he's as an underdeveloped physically guy. I don't know if that's the option either. You can go to Pete Cosmo if you want. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's still got, he's still got Ronnie option. Rod, El Filino. Yeah, and and you can you can do that for some time too. So, but I think that we're clearly honing in on something, right? Which is yes. that there is not there is not a a great answer in the system. And if, if Alcantara is not it for the long term, that kind of underscores why the middle infield, particularly shortstop ought to be a place where the Tigers look really, really hard. This trade deadline in their prospects, you know, even if it's the kind of thing where I love that San Diego did this when they packaged Brad Hand and Simber and they went and got one prospect, one prospect that they really wanted, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if the Tigers have guys, they don't have guys of the Hand-Simber caliber to package like that, but is there a package they can do? You don't need to get a guy Mejia's level either. Like, is there a top 100 prospect they can hone in on? who plays shortstop, who's maybe blocked in someone's system, and they happen to have two guys who fill a position of need for them this year, right? Like, can you do a two-player-for-one-prospect deal with a guy you really like? If you can, that's got to be an attractive option. Yeah, absolutely. That would be that would be ideal. Um, I I love Nico, um, and I like him as, as a guy who can play multiple positions, but ideally, um, Nico isn't in our starting lineup on, on opening day 2019. Though I'd rather see him in the lineup than Ronnie Rod, so, you know, take what you can get, I guess. Well, and he could, he could be in the starting lineup, right, depending on where he's at. Yeah, that's true. Um, but anyway, Max, I uh, very much appreciate you coming on to the show uh, tonight. I took a, took a lot more of your time than I was intending, um, but I hope you had fun. I certainly did. Oh, yeah, this was, this was a blast. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Um, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can on Twitter. I am at JordanHall23. Eric is at Comeric Eric, and the show is at Podcastianos. Max is at M underscore Boltman. Um, be sure to follow him there and subscribe to The Athletic, um, and then you can read all of his stuff. Uh, do you have any pieces coming out here in the in the near future? Yeah, I've got a few. I I, uh, I always get worried when I say I've got a piece coming out because then if something goes wrong, then I lied <laughs> on your podcast and dismerge its good name. All, all seven tomorrow, of our listeners or... will be super disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my plan is tomorrow. Actually, I'm planning to have a projecting out the 2021 roster, oh. course, which I think would be of interest to kind of some of the talking points we've just had. I mean, that's obviously it's a fool's errand to do, but I'm a fool, so let's go at it. <laughs> Yeah, and and if it if it doesn't turn out, it's just your buddies there anyway, and you can you can laugh over over beers about it later. <laughs> That's right. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, and if you'd love, uh, we'd love it if you take the time to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, uh, etc. Do you have anything else to say to listeners before we get out of here for the night? No, just thanks for listening to me ramble. <laughs> um, and with that being said, we will catch you guys uh, next week. And eat them up, tigers. Eat them up. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.